go rebuild my church, which as you can see is falling into ruins. These are the words spoken to St. Francis of Assisi from an image of Christ on the crucifix at San Damiano in 1205 AD. These same words inspired Peter Doan, the host of the program you're about to hear. Peter challenges all of us to rebuild, not the brick and mortars of our church buildings, but our personal faith and relationships that will rebuild and strengthen the church. Now here's today's program. Hi, I'm Peter Doan. And I'm Leslie Doan. And you are listening to the radio broadcast, Go Rebuild My Church. In this broadcast, we explore ways to put into practice the words spoken to St. Francis of Assisi by our Lord Jesus and how this theme is relevant as we seek to bring renewal to the church today. Our passion for renewal was ignited when we came home to the Catholic Church 14 years ago, and that's when we heard the call to rebuild and joined efforts with many other renewal movements within the church. Now you can learn more about our journey home and our lay apostolate dedicated to renewal in the Catholic Church by visiting our website at www.catholicdiscipleshipministries.org. Our prayer is through the ministry of this radio program and our lay apostolate, we can provide pathways for you to join the rebuilding process and experience renewal. We want to welcome listeners joining us for the first time today. In our broadcast, we look at sacred scripture and the excerpts from the catechism. We're we're doing quite a bit of that today. (laughs) The lives of our saints and the teaching of the church as we seek to challenge individuals, families, and local parishes to rebuild and renew the Catholic faith here in America. Well, just to catch you up, today we're continuing our series, Rebuilding a Missional Church. It's been a wonderful series, Peter. I've I've so enjoyed this. Yes, me too. It's based on a critical truth about the Lord's purposes for His people, that His heart is both to build and rebuild His church here on earth, and He's calling all of us to join Him as we move from maintenance to mission in the church. We have previously said that rebuilding a missional church begins not primarily with events, programs, or guest speakers. Even though we love those. Yes. It begins when individuals, including clergy, consecrated religious, and the laity, encounter Jesus Christ based on the patterns that we see, first of all, in our Blessed Mother and her fiat, St. Peter's Confession at Caesarea Philippi, and then St. Paul's conversion on the road to Damascus. Well, in our last four broadcasts, we've been sharing how we encountered Jesus Christ on our recent pilgrimage to Greece and Turkey as we followed in the footsteps of St. Paul. And going on pilgrimage for us was a powerful opportunity to renew and ignite our faith and change our life through our encounter with Christ, wasn't it, honey? Yeah, and it was a blessing that it came in the middle of this series that we've been focusing on. And following in the footsteps of St. Paul has certainly ignited our vision even more to move from maintenance to mission. As we journeyed through the cities of St. Paul's second and third missionary journeys, we discovered something. There's five key insights that we thought we discovered or rediscovered in a missional mindset that St. Paul and his team modeled. And we believe we must recapture the apostles' mindset if indeed the church in the West is to move from that, and use that phrase again, and Cardinal Dolan used it just recently, moving from maintenance to mission. 
Well, not only did we learn about St. Paul's missionary journeys and mindset, but we also visited Ephesus and experienced some divine appointments at the site of Blessed Mother's House, the cave of St. John the Beloved at Patmos, and also at St. John's grave. And last week, we shared some of our reflections on our visit at these three sites. Peter, can you remind us why visiting the cave of St. John on the Isle of Patmos was so helpful in our quest to move from maintenance to mission? Let's say we begin to discuss this by sharing, I think, the scripture in the book of Revelation where St. John introduces himself to the church and who just who he is and why he is on Patmos. It's a beautiful set of scriptures. He says, I, John, your brother who share with you in Jesus the tribulation and the kingdom and the patient endurance, was on the island called Patmos on account of, why? The word of God and a testimony of Jesus. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a voice like a trumpet saying, write what you see in a book and send it to the seven churches in Ephesus and to Smyrna and to Pergamum and to Thyatira, to Sardis, to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. Now, a couple things within there that I'd like to unpack, Leslie, about St. John. I know they're beautiful scriptures. First of all, he says, I, John, your brother. He didn't identify, first of all, as an apostle, as a bishop, as the one who took care of Mary. But he's, he wanted to identify with all of us, and he says, I'm first of all your brother. And that's what we should do as we identify with everyone as brothers and sisters, first and foremost, not with our titles. He went with the brotherhood. Secondly, he said, he said he wanted to share with us in Jesus. When you share Jesus, three things took place for him. And for us as well, he's saying, tribulation, kingdom, and patient endurance. If we followed John in his missional mindset, these three things we get. We get tribulation. We don't talk too much about that. We get the kingdom. We also get patient endurance to be able to process our walk with God. Thirdly, he said he was on Patmos for two reasons, for the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. St. John is telling us here that he was deep in Scripture and that first and foremost, he proclaimed the Word of God and also the testimony of Jesus. And that's a good reminder for us, Leslie, to, do, to continue to cultivate in our lives sacred Scripture that becomes a part of us and also to be ready to give a testimony for Jesus Christ when God opens the door. Fourthly, I like this. He said he was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. Now, we know the best way to be in the Spirit on the Lord's Day is what? Mass. Right, going to Mass. <laughs> and it's interesting. He said when you're in the Spirit on the Lord's Day, that's where he heard a loud voice behind him saying, it reminds us when we go to Mass, I know Matthew Kelly always points this out. He even says you should take a journal to Mass and to, and to write down a God moment where the Lord speaks to you at Mass. I like that idea. Because he certainly does. Every Mass, yes. a, his Spirit is there bringing forth his word. Yes. So if we're going to take seriously the rebuilding of a missional church, St. John here is modeling us some more things that we need to incorporate in our lives as we prepare for that. One last scripture, Leslie, that St. John brings to mind as well is in John 15. That's the famous scriptures about the vine and the vine dresser. 
He said, if the world hates you, know that it hated me first. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you're not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Jesus ends up by saying in that set of scriptures, but all this they will do to you on account of my name. There's the name again. John, remember, was there because of the testimony of the name, because they do not know him who sent me. Well, not only did we get to go to the cave on Patmos, but also we visited Mary's house. And last week we shared a little bit about Mary's house. Many Catholics aren't aware that there is a house, a holy place in Ephesus, where many believe the Blessed Mother lived. And tradition tells us that John fled Jerusalem to protect Mary from the persecution against the Christians. Well, there was this German mystic, we talked about this last week, Blessed Anne Catherine Emmerich, who actually experienced a vision during a religious ecstasy of the house of Mary. Emmerich had never been to Ephesus, and the city had not been excavated, but her visions were compiled in a book entitled The Life of the Blessed Virgin Mary, and they were used to discover the house of the Virgin Virgin Mary. Well, the house has been reconstructed, Peter, on the site of the ancient foundation, and it's been officially declared a holy place. Um, Three of our recent popes, Pope Paul VI, Pope Paul John II, and Pope Benedict XVI have all visited this site and treated it as a holy shrine. And the bottom line is, as we visited that holy site, we were reminded that Mary, too, is a model for us as we seek to move from maintenance to mission. Okay, listeners, so please stay with us, because we're going to take a short break, and when we return, we're going to talk more about visiting Mary's house and her missional mindset. You're listening to Go Rebuild My Church. This program is underwritten in part by Willie and Deborah Wood, in memory of their parents, Woody and Joyce Wood, and Bill and Elsie Brooks. Catholic Radio Indy thanks the Wood family for their support. At Catholic Radio, we love to hear from you. Call us anytime. Just recently, we found this message on our voicemail. I'm a non-Catholic that listens to your Catholic radio station, and I just want to thank you guys. I listen to uh, Catholic Answers, and I'll trust this sometimes, and I think her name's Teresa Tommy. I listen to her, and uh, another show or two. I appreciate it. Call us at 317-870-8400, and let us know what you're thinking. I just called to say, even though I'm not a Catholic, I listen to your station. Welcome back to our radio program, Go Rebuild My Church. And today, we are continuing a series of broadcasts on rebuilding a missional church. And we've been discussing how Peter and I discovered what we're calling a missional mindset that we saw in St. Paul as we followed in his footsteps in Greece and Turkey. And this insight, Peter, actually grew in us Mm -hmm. as we reflected on the life of the Blessed Mother after we visited the house many believe she lived in before she was assumed into heaven. Peter, talk to us a little bit about Jesus's mother and what we have learned about her missional mindset. Right. So as we reflected on our visit, as you mentioned, Leslie, we were reminded that, first of all, Mary is called the star of the new evangelization. And who coined that phrase? Well, uh, the popes did, John Paul II, Paul VI, and also Benedict. They okay. all referred to her as the star of the new evangelization. This, of course, is not star as in Hollywood star. This is a star as in the universe and in, uh, right. in, in the sky that we see at nighttime. Right. When she said yes which is her fiat. She was the first human being, as we pointed out last week, on the whole planet Earth to accept 
Jesus Christ. She not only accepted him, though, she accepted her mission to cooperate with the Lord's plan in the incarnation, which was key to the Lord's redemptive work for all people. Well, Peter, if Mary is the star of the new evangelization, which we believe she is, I think her title helps us better really understand her role, doesn't it? It, it sure does. Uh-huh. First of all, stars have guided people all throughout history. Stars, of course, have been used to navigate on the sea for centuries. The star guided the Magi as they went and worshipped the newborn king. And also, she's referred to, many many of us maybe don't know this, as the morning star. Mm-hmm. And this is because, like the star that rises early in the day, she appeared on the horizon of the salvation before Christ. Yeah, exactly. So in Mary, we can begin to see these same five missional mindsets that we've talked about with St. Paul exhibited in her missionary journey, if you will. So it all begins, Leslie, with what is known theologically as the Proto-Evangelium. And I want to read that to to you and our listeners, which is a very important piece of our understanding in this whole overview of Mary as the star of the new evangelization. So we're going to get a little bit of a theological uh, study here. Yes, we are. Uh, Or or lesson, actually. (laughs) It's in Genesis 3, 14 and 15, and this is what the scripture says. The Lord God said to the serpent, and this was after the fall, because you've done this, curse are you above all cattle and above the wild animals. Upon your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat in all the days in all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. The Proto-Evangelium, or First Gospel, refers to this passage in the book of Genesis, in which immediately after the sin of Adam and Eve, God first promised to send a Redeemer. Listen to uh, some uh, insight from the Catechism that really fleshes this out. It says, not long after Adam and Eve had committed the original sin, God made it clear that a woman and her seed would defeat the evil one. There's Mary's mission. Yes. From the beginning, Christian writers have called this assurance the Proto-Evangelium, the first prophecy of the Messiah that would bring salvation to all people. Leslie, that's in the Catechism, paragraph 410. I'd like to read a couple other paragraphs and just sum them up in the Catechism that really fleshes out how important this Proto-Evangelium is to our faith. Early Christian writers, it says, elaborated extensively on this first gospel, applying the names to New Adam and New Eve, respectively, to Jesus the Messiah and the Blessed Virgin Mary, his mother. Christ the new Adam made reparation for the disobedience of the first Adam, becoming obedient unto death. And then Christ's selfless and humble obedience to the will of his Father brought about the redemption of the world. That's in Catechism, paragraph 411. It goes on to say, in light of the good news of Jesus Christ, we understand that the woman, and this is so important, symbolizes the Blessed Virgin Mary. If you notice in the scriptures, uh, Jesus sometimes refers to his mother, not his mother, but his woman. 
starting with the wedding feast of Cana. That's very interesting. Yes, he calls her woman, and this is why he does. Her obedience and humble yes to the archangel Gabriel was the necessary condition for the incarnation of Jesus Christ, the Savior. And this is a quote, Leslie, from one of the early church fathers, St. Irenaeus, who said this, The knot of Eve's disobedience was untied by Mary's obedience. What the Virgin Eve bound through her unbelief, the Virgin Mary loosed by her faith. I love that quote, Peter. Yeah. Only when she had accepted the invitation, and that's powerful, that she accepted an invitation to be the mother of the Savior, was Christ conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's in paragraph 148 and 511 in the Catholic Catechism. And finally, Leslie, in radical contrast to the disobedience of the first Eve, who prompted Adam to bring sin into the world, the Blessed Virgin Mary, the new Eve, cooperated with God to bring about the remedy for sin and win for everyone, I love this, the possibility of redemption. Her seed, Jesus Christ, bruised the head of the serpent, the devil. By taking on the sins of all people to release us from our sins and lead us to everlasting life, Christ conquered the devil once and for all. And it's so important to know that the devil's been conquered, Leslie, for those that are joined to Christ. He is conquered and thus fulfilling the words of the Proto-Evangelium. That's in the Catholic Catechism 489, 494, and 726. So in summary, Leslie, we may say that Mary as the new Eve has become the star of the new evangelization as she leads all of us to say yes to the redemption plan of God. Okay, listeners, well, that was a lot to take in, um, but it was wonderful. And I want you all to stay with us now because we're going to take another short break. And when we return, we're going to continue with our series and discuss how Mary, as the star of the new evangelization, models for us a missional mindset. So please stay with us. You're listening to Go Rebuild My Church. This program is underwritten in part by Willie and Deborah Wood in memory of their parents, Woody and Joyce Wood, and Bill and Elsie Brooks. Catholic Radio Indy thanks the Wood family for their support. Have you ever thought about joining the Catholic Church? Have you just wanted to explore the Catholic faith? All you need to do is call your local Catholic Church for more information. We are always happy to help you in your journey to discover and learn more about the Catholic faith. We have classes that are almost year-round, and the classes and information sessions do not involve making a commitment, and there is no pressure to join. Please call your local Catholic parish for more information today and start the journey of one day possibly becoming Catholic as well. God bless. You're listening to the radio program, Go Rebuild My Church, and we're currently in a series of broadcasts called Rebuilding a Missional Church. We're learning that the heart of God is to rebuild that which has fallen into ruin in our church and move us from maintenance to mission, and that's what we're trying to do today. Mm-hmm. Well, today we're discussing how the Blessed Mother models a missional mindset, just as St. Paul did. And Peter, we don't often think of her that way, do we? No, we don't. Well, she was the first human being on the planet to accept Jesus Christ into her life. Her yes, the fiat, sets the example for all of us. This is the starting point in walking with God and having a vital relationship with Jesus Christ. We all need to say yes. Mm -hmm. So, Peter, let's share how Mary goes on to model what it means to be on mission. Yes, so... I. 
Think we can see and marry these five qualities that each of us must live if we are to move from maintenance to mission. And as we we spent uh, several broadcasts going over how St. Paul modeled these dynamics in his mindset. And now we're going to talk about how Mary modeled them. And we're going to see how she does this as well. First of all, it's the first part of a missional mindset is the willingness to go. We call it the go, capital G, capital O. Well, where did Mary go? So her yes allowed her to go on a path, Leslie, that would change the universe. And let's think for a minute how she did fulfill the go. First of all, she went to Bethlehem, didn't she, when the census was required. And in that go, she beautifully bore Jesus Christ, her son. In her, in her humble circumstances. Yes. And it was 80 miles. You know, she had to travel 80 miles as a full pregnancy, getting ready to deliver this divine son. And that wasn't easy traveling at nine months pregnancy, right? So that, first of all. But think of the other goes that she experienced. After Jesus was born, remember what Herod did and the murder of the innocents, she and Joseph and the newborn babe had to go to Egypt. And the Coptic Catholics have created 25 holy sites in Egypt where they believe that the whole family went to, and if indeed through oral tradition they went to all these places, uh, people believe that they traveled a total of 1,240 miles from the time they left uh, and went to Egypt and all their traveling there and then finally made it back to Nazareth. And that's very interesting that to think about all the traveling that the Holy Family right. had to do. Right, and they did all this to fulfill the mission. Exactly. Also, Mary had to go to Calvary, didn't she? She went and stood before her dying son as he was pierced, all the church fathers remind that that was what Simeon was prophesying. She, too, would have these piercings in her heart. As her son was physically pierced, she, too, was pierced by the sword of standing before her son dying in Calvary. And suffered tremendously there. And that was a mission for her to go there of one that pierced her heart. Also, we need to be reminded that Mary went to the upper room. We don't think about that, but she was there when the Holy Spirit fell. A part of her goal was to go to the upper room to receive this new epic in salvation history, and that is the coming of the Holy Spirit to reside in the church. Then also, as we've talked about before, we don't need to elaborate because we have, she went to Ephesus. Well, we knew John was there, so she had to be with him. Yes, and a lot of people believe that John took her to Ephesus after the resurrection and the ascension in order to escape the persecutions that went on in Jerusalem that you can read about in the Acts of the Apostles. The Holy Spirit, through John, got her into a safe place. And finally, her go is to heaven. She is the first human being in the new covenant to have their body taken to heaven. And what a way to end the go on mission, isn't it? It is. It's, it's beautiful. Secondly, Mary also uh, re- represents that second missional um, mindset, and that is to require. Rec- 
uh, respond to the cry for help. Her yes gave the incarnate son the door to help mankind. And remember, Leslie, in the Magnificat, she declares, he has come to the help of his servant Israel, for he has remembered his promise of mercy, the promise he made to our fathers, to Abraham and his children forever. So she participated in bringing Jesus to help not just an individual, but the human race. Thirdly, she was a part of, as we talked about St. Paul, who openly resisted and spoke against the gods of his uh, mission, he or she overturned the forces of the world and its culture. Her yes caused her to bring forth the seed that we've talked about that crushed the head of the serpent, and we've called that theologically the proto-evangelium. Fourthly, Mary, in the fourth part of a missional mindset, was involved in the proclamation. Again, if we look at the Magnificat, it expresses this fourth characteristic. Here's what she said, Leslie. My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. There's that proclamation. And finally, she exhibits the fifth missional mindset that we've spoken out, and that is her yes brings the truth of the gospel to all people for all time. Well, with Mary as our model, as the star of the new evangelization, the Lord wants us to, wants us to share the good news also with all people and declare the goodness of the Lord. I, I can't imagine that she didn't continue throughout her life to say, my soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. She yes. had to have done that. In fact, there's a speculation, life. Leslie, that Paul, when he ended up in Ephesus, there were already believers there, that it could have been, it had to do with John and Mary being there. But that's just speculation. Right. So practically, what does that look like for us as we seek to follow in St. Paul's and Mary's footsteps? Well, it's interesting. There was a synod on the new evangelization, and it helped us target who we're supposed to be reaching out to today. That synod in 2012 under Pope Benedict says there's three target areas. Number one, practicing Catholics. All of us sitting in the pew need to hear the gospel presented on a regular basis. Secondly, they said non-practicing Catholics are our second target group. In our lives, what the Lord wants us to do is to pray for and to share the gospel with those that we're connected with that are non-practicing, Leslie. And listen for the, the call for help. Yeah, exactly. And then finally, the third area that we're called to evangelize is the ad gentes, ad gentes. These are the non-believers in the world including other religions, atheists, and the nuns. Remember, St. Paul, that's the N-O-N-E-S, not the N-U-N-S, for sure. Well, Peter, our visit to Mary's house has been so helpful to me personally. I've always held Mary in honor as the mother of God. I, I never stopped doing that. But before we returned to the church, my understanding of her role in salvation history was pretty shallow. I didn't really relate to her in any kind of meaningful way in a meaningful way for decades. But while visiting her house, mm -hmm. I had the wonderful opportunity to celebrate Mass with our pilgrimage group. And uh, the homily that day was about her powerful role in the redemptive work of Christ, which we've talked about today. And now I understand more clearly why John's revelation, she is presented as a queen. And I just think it's important to just summarize today, Mary's a model for us in so many things. She's a model of obedience, 
humility, faithfulness, and suffering, but she's also a model of someone who embraced the call to be on mission. Let's pray that God help all of us to receive that, Leslie. Lord, we thank you for all that we see in your mother. We pray, O oh Lord, that just as she too was on mission, you would help us follow in her example as well. In Jesus' name, amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Well, thank you listeners for joining us today and make sure to become a regular listener of Catholic Radio Indy. Goodbye for now and keep keep the the faith. You've been listening to Go Rebuild My Church with Peter Doan. Podcasts of this program are available at www.catholicradioindy.org. You can hear the Holy Mass every day at 8 a.m. right here on Catholic Radio Indy, 105.7.